Welcome to Ruining Your Childhood, The Pitfalls of Nostalgia. We are on to episode 17, here with Mama and IME, and we're going to have a good time today. If you don't know IME's music, you should. If you don't, you're a failure. It means you failed at life. IME is one of the founding members of the Sand People, one of the legendary Portland hip-hop groups. Also a member of Old Dominion, founding member of Heaven Noise Recordings, and a member of the Jade Relics. IME does all sorts of music. Also under the alias Wool C, kind of like Woolsey Boulevard, up in North Portland. You might recognize that name if you're from Portland or the Portland area. That's where we're based out of. And, well, kind of. That's where I'm based out of. If you're unfamiliar with ruining your childhood, yeah, we're based out of Seattle, technically Everett. Keep on. Portland, technically Portland, and New York City, technically Brooklyn. New York is a fun place. That's not what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about IME. We moved from Portland, Oregon, over to Vermont. Our conversation extended a little too long for just one episode, so we're going to double up the promotion for our boy IME. We're going to give you one episode right now, and part two of the episode will be coming out this Sunday. So make sure you stay tuned to the next episode and also stay tuned till the end of this episode. We will be previewing Mandarin by Jade Relics. What's good? Uh, you know, just trying to set up all this technology. Getting technical. Um, I've got the computer recording. I got my microphone here. Yep. So... Tight. We should be good. I'll just send you like an audio file of this when we're done. Does that work? Yep. Yep. That's perfect. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Long time no see. How you been? Good, man. Are we are we officially on the record or do you want to? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're on the record. Yeah? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just, just got to turn it on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 I mean, it always, you know, revs up a little bit. You know, we get started and then and then sometimes we just jump in, dive in head first, skinny dip. Cool, man. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Yeah, welcome to Ruining Your Childhood, Pitfalls of Nostalgia. And it might not be that name forever. It's a really long name. I like I it. Like, eh, it's okay. You know, there's technically other podcasts named Ruining Your Childhood. And so I'm not the first person to come up with that by any means. I don't know if they're as popular as me or if, you know, if they're entertaining or not or what they talk about necessarily, but. Have, yeah, how, might just, how many childhoods have they ruined? That's the exactly. I'm trying to ruin metric. millions. You know, there you go. Millions won't stop a, until uh, all childhoods are ruined. Yeah, yeah. You remember that movie you grew up on that you loved? It's worthless. <laughs> it's worthless. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Um, yeah, well, I might change the name to the Nostalgia Pit or something else. But you know, we'll nice. See. That's yeah. That's what we're living in. That's how it's. That's. That's the future. The future is the past. All time has been flattened. Time is a flat circle. Don't get me started. (laughs) Oh, oh, it's a disc. Time is just like a disc, man. And we're like at the Olympic Games of like the Eternals. And they're just like galactically (laughs) spinning us wherever they want. You know, we're just like a we're just a toy. I don't know if you have like a any structure in mind or if you want me to just ramble about about related topics, but uh, I'm reading a book right now by, what is it, Chuck Klosterman or something, um, mm-hmm. pretty famous author name, but he just wrote a book called The 90s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's been, you know, a lot, I mean, I'm only like probably a third of the way into it and been talking a lot about, it's been talking a lot about the internet um, recently, which is obviously a big part of the 90s in, in retrospect. It's just interesting, you know, it's a, it's always fun to revisit that kind of stuff as a child of the 80s and 90s and mm-hmm. what a time so i'm re- i'm sending you a link on to to your twitter right now but uh my favorite well, the podcast group that i listen to and kind of follow everything that they do it's called uh metal arc media and the levitard and friends so dan levitard does uh one of his side podcasts is called south beach sessions and he mm. interviews just a bunch of different people about uh, you know different things but chuck klosterman is literally his most recent one that he put out yesterday. Nice. So, I'll have to listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. So I just sent you the link to that. You know, he's got some really other good, uh, some good other ones. He's got one, one with uh, Gotham Chopra. That was a really good listen, but pretty much everything on that list, you'll see a bunch of names that you recognize and maybe some you don't, nice. but they're all, they're all worth, you know, Stanley Tucci, Rob Lowe, 
fucking uh, Kevin Smith. You know, just a bunch, of, a bunch of people. And they're nice. all real good interviews. Nice. Yeah, I admittedly don't listen to a ton of podcasts. Um, I, you know, every once in a while I'll check out like a random one, or if it's something like you know, I'll probably listen to that Chuck Klosterman one. Um, yep. Yeah, I kind of at any given time I'll have one that I'm pretty into. It's been the Always Sunny one. It's recently. classic. It's yeah, really it's good. It's great. It's just yeah. you know, it's like hanging out with some some friends who are cooler and more successful than me, <laughs> uh, but they're funny as fuck, and it's. That's been a good one. I always like the open Mike Eagle. What had happened was, but um, I need to catch more up on the Dante Ross episodes and stuff. The LP season was classic. Yep, I'm saving it for uh, when I'm supposed to take a take a trip up to Seattle here a couple times in the next couple months. You know what I mean? So I'm probably just gonna binge it during that. But nice. I like I like what Open Mike does a lot. Yeah, definitely. With those podcasts, I mean, it's really fun really fun to for, listen to yeah for sure um it's nice to be on a podcast that was i was about at the point of like throwing that out onto social media just like you know i've got an album coming out if anybody wants to <laughs> if anybody wants to have me on a podcast and then you know ask and you shall receive I, I, I didn't even have to ask i just you know had the i had the thought and then you reached out and that was great so i appreciate it of course yeah yeah i mean that's half the reason that i wanted to do this you know, like one of the, the key components of the ways you're supposed to build your podcast or whatever is by getting other podcast hosts and other guests on. So it incentivizes people to listen, you know, sure. same thing with booking shows. You know, it all it all makes sense. You know, you want to bring in other social groups when you're when you're putting together a bill. Otherwise, you have just your group of friends there. You know what I mean? And you're all playing right. a set. I have I stopped making music for a good while. I made a couple songs for psychology classes, actually. And then. Um, just kind of stumbled back into making some, some raps for a friend. So you're going to, um, you were taking psychology classes? Yeah, I'm trying to get my psych degree, uh, media nice. psychology degree. So it's an interesting, interesting subject for sure. I took like a, um, just an intro class to it that for whatever reason my high school had. I mean, it's weird to think back then because they were like cutting all sorts of weird electives, but like, um, but yeah, I was able to take like an intro to psychology class and found it pretty interesting for sure yeah over the last uh, couple of years i've been taking a lot of classes pretty much killed all the abnormal psych and and like sexuality human sexuality classes uh in the you know up up through the 200 levels and i'm getting ready to transfer to a new new university here soon that is if i can get grants and shit like that because i ain't trying to uh you know i mean i'll take student debt at this point student loan debt whatever um but i'm just not trying to like pay that much yeah if i, if I don't, uh, have to. don't blame you sure. yeah if i can get scholarships and grants why not you know what i mean mm-hmm. i've been busting my ass off and i've gotten all a's up until this point so hopefully <laughs> that'll that'll work for something Nice, nice. I don't know if grades actually mean anything these days. I feel like it's all backdoor money. Yeah, I really don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know much about um, society anymore, I guess. I don't <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, took, I took some college courses in like around 2009, 2010, and mm-hmm. was thinking about trying to get at least an associate's degree in something. I just eventually, before I got to that point, just kind of stopped i mean i was still focusing on music and stuff and yeah Mm -hmm. i just i don't know i mean just it's a hustle it's definitely like a it's an investment and you got to have a a plan otherwise it seems as though from the outside looking in that it it fucks over as many people as it helps you know what i mean in terms of just spending all that money or amassing all that debt just to get a a degree and Mm -hmm. and then not have you know if you don't have like a solid plan for what you're going to do with it but yeah it's uh i don't know it's crazy yeah yeah getting a degree is dangerous because i don't know i have a lot of friends that have degrees that they didn't do anything with you know what i mean they just went went straight from high school and got like an english degree and then they had that kind of like oh shit what do i do with my life and then picked up something completely different and they're successful at it but it doesn't have anything to do with their degree you know uh because the fact of the matter is they were smart people and they would have been successful if they didn't go to college you know what i mean but ultimately having the status symbol is gonna open up more doors and stuff so 
you that's know, what the they stat- say. The status symbol of the degree. <laughs> that's what they say. Uh, depends what doors you want to open up. Right. And I mean, I'm not going to, I mean, I've heard two different stories. He, you know, was saying that he was, you know, super stoked that he had his degree and he got hired at Starbucks and worked in management for a long time. And, you know, he, he's had multiple uh, job interviews and stuff and that no one had ever asked for his degree. You know, like no one ever asks for proof. Right. They just like you put it on a resume and then it's no one cares. And I've also heard people like straight up Photoshop them <laughs> and get jobs that way. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, you know, hustler. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what matters the most is the hustle. Yeah, it's all a hustle. Hustle. Well, yeah, if you, you got to hustle and then if you don't have any ethics or, you know, very malleable ethics, then it seems like you get much farther. No, oh, sure. You know? I mean, it, it all the ethics are. uh I mean, it, it's a philosophically debatable term, I guess, right? Like, I mean, some people work, the work ethic trumps everything else, right? And they're, you could look at what you're willing to do to do what you want or get what you want as a work ethic, even if it trumps over other ethics. I personally don't subscribe to that <laughs> belief, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think that character is more than just how hard you're willing to go for your own goals and things like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, those who those who hustle will fucking I don't know. What what are we t- <laughs> Is there <laughs> is there other things we should be talking about or should we be ruining know. some childhoods right now? I mean, we could be. It's a good question. Uh fun fact that I just want to get off my 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 mind cuz I was thinking yeah. about it before before I got you on here is that I had a couple copies of I had I think points of view I had a copy <laughs> of right the your old the old sand people record right yeah. I had and I had all in vain and for some reason I decided to and maybe a couple other sand people like physical copies on mm. CD uh, I was sending a pound of weed this is like when <laughs> early in my rap career okay and and he was going to send me you know money back or or correction he was going to send me verses back and of course he delivered one verse <laughs> which was you know he was supposed to do like ten. So, so I needed to, you know, bulk up the package a little bit as I was sending it across country because I didn't, didn't just want to have like a big package that was like a football sized thing of weed. So right. I threw in a couple CDs. I wanted to impress him with like what CDs were going to go in there. So I threw in a couple Sand People records because I didn't know if he knew that, like what those were or anything like that. I'm sure he didn't. And then it, he was supposed to send me the CDs back at some point in time. And then he's just like, nah, dog, I'm keeping those. <laughs> So I don't know if he like threw them away or if he wanted to keep them because he liked them or, you know, but. Or just didn't want to have to ship <laughs> something. Or just, yeah, he's just lazy as hell. I mean, guy's not the yeah. nicest, not, not the nicest person in the world, but. I'll, uh, oh, what's up, kitty? Hi. <laughs> yeah, this is Bandit. He's, um, a, he's a good boy. You know, I like, let's go with he liked them. Let's, let's. Yeah, he we'll go with want, that. He didn't want to <laughs> return. He didn't want to return him. He was like, you know. He's like, the post office is just across the street from me, but I can't do it. I can't because I like these CDs too much. I like these CDs. <laughs> and I liked this weed. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that was definitely as close to as close to my childhood as any of my recorded music for the most part. Was that the first? Did, were, so did you do stuff with Sand People before you did solo shit? Or were you? Yeah um yeah red shield was the very first cd album you know i mean it's 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 on all the streaming and stuff so um that's the very first thing that i ever released in any official type of way and um paradise that would have been 2003 probably well my cat's gonna come yeah bro (laughs) is that a is that ninja is that right yeah he's a good he has no food so this could go I, I could have to take a break pretty soon. Um, <laughs> He's a good boy. It was around 2003 that that album came out, and you know we just pressed it on CDs, sold it locally, sold it at shows, and then pretty early into like the iTunes stuff, we were decided to put it all put it on there. So it's been basically you know available on the internet since as long as that's been a thing. So that was the first. Um, Can you go back and listen to it and not be upset? I've revisited. I I am young as fuck. There's things that I probably don't like from mid midway through my career more than ah. than that. You know, like I, that has the benefit of being like, oh, you were 
so young. You didn't know what you were doing. And, and there was like a, a certain, I guess, unpolished, like kind of rawness or whatever. Charm. You know, um, as far as like the, the overall album, like, you know, we were feel like we were a pretty creative group of, of uh, it's three people on the album that we all went on. It's Moby, Simple, and myself who all went on to found uh, Sam People uh, about a year later. Um, you know, I think we had some good ideas there's some cool production and stuff but as far as you know i mean it's hard to not just analyze my performances and stuff like that and when i listen back to it i'm like for not knowing anything for not you know i mean that was some of my first recording and like the first solo song that i ever wrote and recorded is on that project you know i did okay and then i think as time went on you know and i got more comfortable with recording then i wanted to start trying to take other risks with it and um experiment more with my voice and and different styles and stuff like that and i when i listen to like i said some of that kind of midway through you know i mean even when i listen to stuff for a few years ago i'm just like oh you know like i i know what i was trying to do and i can identify what i don't like about it now and and stuff like that but um going as far back as 2003 it's kind of like man i'm just fucking i figured out how to record myself and shit like and no i mean i was barely doing that part of the stuff simple was more the producer recorder engineer of all that but like just figuring out how to be in front of a microphone project my voice do do this kind of stuff that didn't sound you know it's like it could have all sounded real bad um pretty proud of it for like a first release in that sense i guess yeah i mean it's much better than my first release i (laughs) i i I make fun of my first release as much as i can because it's I would go back Word. and I listen to it. It's just like, woo! There's some, <laughs> I will say there's some really cool features on it. But first off, I wanted to do the mixtape thing, right? So I wanted to take a bunch of, you know, famous beats. I decided to tweak that strategy a little bit and take like a bunch of good hip hop beats that had good hip hop songs over them. Mm. And so it's like, why would you want to remix this? You know what right. I mean? Because it's like you're going up against a legend. And the whole right. point of the mixtape game was like someone said saying that they could rap better than Little Wayne or rap better than G Unit, you know what I mean? And then going in on the beat and then making their case and stuff like that. And as I was making my case over these beats that classics were already put over, it was just like, uh, yeah, you know, that's yeah, a uh... there's some good some good featured verses on there though. I had like twenty something featured verses, and there were I you know got a lot of people to get drunk and record. Nice. So some of them were really cool. It's definitely, you know, you were, you were not alone in the mixtape era. You know what I mean? Like that was just, that became a foot in the door, accessible way for people to get a project out and stuff like that. And, but I do think like, like you said, I mean, in hindsight, like you, you, you recognize like, Oh, like, okay. You know, the idea of like doing songs over other, over like industry beats and not, not getting, close to like the level of quality that the original thing was it's like you know kind of defeats the purpose but yeah you live and you learn yeah like me taking a slum village track are you know there's you could you could argue that some of the lyrics on some of the slum village songs aren't necessarily like the most diverse lyrically content wise but at the same time they hit they they ride the track all correctly they sound really good you know there's like there's I'm, i'm not gonna do better than them especially especially me at like age 19 you know <laughs> right unless you were you know unless you were fucking like elzai or something you know what i mean like exactly yeah unless and I'm, that's the thing yeah. is like he could he could rap over that and like and it's like you throw that or like royce or somebody like that and obviously i'm just sticking with like detroit but like because they're gonna have the best of both worlds they're gonna like be tapped into the the kind of root of where that sound came from and then be like you know whereas uh, T3 and Batin and stuff were a little more like just kind of having fun and on some more kind of native tongue type vibe. Those dudes would be spirit, serious, you know, spitters and like come in and, and be more surgical with it, but still have that like um, respect for where it came from and stuff. But like at the same time, I still wouldn't like Elzai could do a fucking incredible verse. I'm sure he has like over some like classic slum village shit or whatever and i'm still gonna want to hear the original more it's just got that magic you know what i mean like elza is one of the i mean with elmatic 
he did such a fucking good job. I almost like it more than Elmatic. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's really good. Kind of blew me mm-hmm. out of the water. I'll have to revisit that one. Um, oh, it's oh, it's it's so good. So, I want to I want to ask you. We're gonna do a, a either or here. All I, was, right. I was just gonna write it down just in case I didn't get to it in time. <laughs> so I, I was reading a lot on the internet for whatever reason. Decided to go back and revisit the 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 Nas Jay Z beef with takedown mm-hmm. takedown and ether right, yeah. and like you hear ether referenced on other people's songs like to say you're gonna go ether on someone you know it's like you're gonna buy it's like to say you're going to yeah, buy it became a verb right yeah right it's like to I you're gonna you. yeah exactly you're gonna you're gonna your career's gonna be over is like what it is but it's like wait you know jay-z's career went straight up after that and Nas's career you know floated and it's still yeah. it's still about the same right but I was so I was thinking about that, and then so I was like, okay, I'm gonna go back and listen to the the songs, right? Mm-hmm. And takedown is good; it's pretty fucking good. And then everyone's like, okay, Ether, he comes back harder. The biggest thing I noticed in Ether is just Nas just straight up gay bashing fucking Rockefeller a bunch. And I was just like, is Nas just like a big homophobe? Is this like like it's I don't I found thousand probably. Well, yeah, and then I I mentioned it to my buddy Scott. He fuck, he was saying like oh if you go back and listen to Nas's music that's like all over the place like apparently Nas is is has a lot of sprinklings of anti throughout the things but you know I was just like regardless of that I was just like man I don't know if, I don't think Ether's better like why yeah. why is Ether never, better I, without revisiting them I mean I never had that initial impression I I was definitely I mean I I loved the Blueprint album and. I mean, just the whole, it was just so cohesive and, mm-hmm. and like, um, can anyone name the, the Nas album that Ether was on? You know what I mean? Everyone knows the blueprint. Was it even on? Yeah. Was it even on an album? I don't know. <laughs> so that's, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I remember the takeover, I, you know, but I never really, I never really cared too much about that kind of shit. Like I, uh, yeah, yeah. I thought diss tracks were interesting and stuff and, um, wanted to hear wanted to hear them but like in terms of like a clear winner or whatever i felt like by that point it was pretty clear that jay-z was like already the winner just like in 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 an artistic like life all of the above type of scent you know what i mean it's like because at that point when those things came out it was like i mean illmatic was to me um an incredible album and it was one that like that was a, a pocket of time for for me and this I mean you're I think you're younger than me so this probably applies to you too where it's like that that wasn't something I was checking for at like age nine or ten I I listened to Illmatic probably in the later 90s so it had been out for like a handful you know like I I think when I started getting more into hip-hop it was around the time when um forget what the what the album was but like that Nas is like and hate me now Mm -hmm. it was that's not it was written is it I think that's after it was written um that was like the album that was more in in terms of like the timeline when I started kind of tuning in and I went, you know, everybody was talking about how good Illmatic was. So I went back and listened to that and it's like, oh yeah, like Nas was mind blowing out the gate. You know what I mean? Like coming out, like swinging like that. And, Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, like I didn't, I didn't have that moment with like Jay-Z's first album. Like I, I thought it was dope and stuff, but like it just wasn't the same as Illmatic to me, but like, I continued to see like Jay-Z kind of going up, whereas it felt like Nas came out the gate strong and then just immediately kind of fell off. Like, yeah. And, and not to say that he not fall off and like, he wasn't capable of doing dope songs, but like, whereas Illmatic was like a just cohesive, incredible sounding album front to back. It was like the other albums that he, that Nas was dropping just were more or less like, a few really good songs, some ones that were kind of okay, some ones that didn't really interest me that much. And it was like, and just, you know, if you look at where like Jay-Z's career was like around the time of the blueprint, it was just like, yeah, Jay-Z's kind of the clear winner here. Like regardless of who's dissing who or like how dope your bars are, you know what I mean? Yeah. The the album you were talking about was a I am. So his third yeah, album. Yeah. The one with the Pharaoh face. Yep. 
And then, yeah, he was he was trying to put out a double album, I guess, and they nixed that, and so that's why he put out Nostradamus in the same year. Hmm. It's like I got so many I got so many mid songs to put out. <laughs> it's 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 funny. It's like there are those some rappers that you know they grow constantly, and they're 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 like building, they're they're adding, right. and then there's some that like find that spark, you know, that like moment in time, and then like the flash in the pan rappers, so to speak. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like Eminem is kind of like that, right? Where right. he's kind of chasing what he once was, um, kind of like kind of like what Nas is with Illmatic. Whereas like whereas Jay Z, I think like you could argue that you know, uh, Watch the Throne was his best when it came out. You could argue that Magna Carta was the best when it came out. You could argue argue that Four 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 was his best when it came out. Like he's putting I out. I definitely wouldn't argue any of those things, but yeah, I feel you. They I feel they could you. they could be argued. You know what I mean? I think Magna, oh, for sure. Magna Carta. It I think it's in his top three albums. I really like it as a project, but I like, and I mean, I like 444. I do. I, I mm-hmm. would definitely like just personal taste wise. Like I'm, you know, I would hard, hard disagree with the Magna Carta. <laughs> like, but mm-hmm. it's not, that's just my personal Jay Z had moved into a more kind of milk toast. Like I'm a billionaire rapper by then. And it just doesn't appeal to me as much, but I mm-hmm. appreciate what he was doing still. There's fucking jams on that album for sure. And and like you said with the flash in the pan thing, I I think that is a fair, you know, a valid criti- criticism or not even criticism, but just like analysis of like Nas and Eminem. But at the same time, it's hard for me to fully get on board with it because it's like I, you know, I I know Eminem is like trying to grow in a direction. I know that Nas is trying. Like mm-hmm. they've got things that they've put out in the past ten years that you know certain little moments of greatness but it but the flash in the pan is definitely that like there's something that you know with like a project like Illmatic with a project like uh Eminem's for me I guess I would say his first couple albums where it was just like you know it was bigger than just them and it it was uh something that they can't reproduce you know they whether or not they're trying to or not, you know, and that's a that's a tough thing too. Is like a listener to, you know, we can like try to put ourselves in in an artist headspace, or we can like criticize them from the outside looking in and being like, oh, Eminem's just chasing what he once did. Unless you find the sound bites of himself, which I believe there probably are, where he's talking about it. It's like you know, you can't just make that. I don't know. I guess I'm just saying like we don't know that for sure. Like Eminem could be like, I don't ever want to make the Slim Shady LP again or whatever. But it's like I feel like he's kind of alluded to it in interviews that he that he is chasing that to some degree. You know what I mean? So like he made the Marshall Mathers LP too, right? I mean, exactly. like that is that is and chas- Nas made Stillmatic. So it's definitely like uh those that's as much chasing it as you can get. And I mean exactly. So what I'm saying is stupid. Um, but at no, the no, same, no, I but- get. But you're saying it makes sense at the same. But well, if they, they didn't do those things that were so blatant, I guess then it would be more open for like, are you or are you just just not capable of doing it or or wanting to move in a different direction or something? Um, but I think yeah, when when you're gonna make projects that are clearly alluding to your past work and, and stuff like that, unless you just made an album that was like trying to be subversive and be like fuck Illmatic like if your album was just fuck Illmatic instead of Stillmatic or like I mean yeah. fuck my pa- fuck my debut album like yeah what if yeah what if it was just the cover it's just like someone stomping on Illmatic you know right. or like it be like like someone burning a copy of it but this wasn't that it was it was more like they've made as clear a case in terms of like their public offerings and public interviews and things like that that like that, that those type of things resonate and that idea of like chasing what was initially so special and shit, which is in my opinion. And I think a lot of other people like have pointed this out too. is just like, that seems like such a counterintuitive way to like make art in general. It's just like, you know, like you made that thing, you got fucking successful. Like people are talking about it. Like, why the fuck do you want to make it again? Or like, why would you even, but we all have to like, you know, we're all going to have those moments. Like, in life, you know, I mean, regardless of if you're a successful musician or whatever, like, but you, you know, you're all gonna, you're going to have those things that stick with you, um, things that kind of define you in some way. And, and it's, it's tough. Like, you know, like, what do you do in that? Like you, there has to be some level of acceptance and there has to be some level of like letting go 
and it's always a tough call and and so when you're an artist like that making it so kind of like in the public eye is it's tough to do gracefully i think you know like i i don't know they're rich so i don't sympathize with them that much but it's like you know i I do think it's tough yeah yeah it's it's you put them in the category of the rich and you're like oh it's hard to sympathize with them but we also the one thing that i kind of find fascinating is you know uh we don't really know i mean maybe we do know but just exactly what fame does to the brain you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but like it's just crazy about that a lot (laughs) yeah i mean obviously not everyone goes crazy from it or or you know things like that i mean snoop dogg seems pretty much like the same guy you know sure. uh yeah. but we only see the image that he puts out maybe he's just really good at marketing oh i mean fame could have made him like cooler i mean like you know like if if early 90s snoop dogg was still catching murder cases <laughs> you know what i mean like fame might have chilled him the fuck out a little bit well yeah i mean don't get me wrong doggy style's cool and all but i'd much rather listen to seven days of funk snoop dogg you know what i mean or like beautiful snoop dogg or like uh fucking sensual uh vibrations sensual seduction sensual seduction that song i like way more i like the the edited version way more than the real one i gotta listen to that again i was thinking about that song recently and i forgot to listen to it that when that video came out when when the perm and the fucking like everything about that i was like this is the cleanest song i've heard in my life but then yeah you hear the actual song and you're like sexual eruption and you're just like oh that's like, don't get me wrong. I'm not uh, uh, puritanically prudent, uh, you know, as I've been taking a bunch of, uh, you know, human sexuality classes. Um, but sometimes less is more. Yeah. Sometimes suggestive is more enticing than than thank, the thank laying you. it out there crude. You know what I mean? Thank like, you. Yeah. So you don't need to slap your dick on the table. You know what I mean? And just like be like, that's my penis. It's like literally like the like, humor that like a lot of the early like doggy style shit was to slap your like slap your dick places it's like oh yeah put my uh, dick on the like yeah just think of thinking about like the classic skits in between all of those those classic west coast albums you know the dog pound stoop dog it's like w b a yeah w balls records yeah w my dick is out on the table (laughs) (laughs) radio (laughs) but yeah i i don't know i think a lot about like what fame and money does to people's brains because we're all kind of at the influence of people that have had their brains corrupted by fame and money. You know what I mean? We're all kind of like society is perpetually sort of under attack in that sense. Like it's a topic that definitely kind of stays kicking around in my brain. Not that I fucking am going to come up with some solution that saves us all, but it's just like, it's just kind of crazy. I mean, I think that I think the human mind is just a a self justifying and self rationalizing mechanism and and so like when you get when you get money and fame you're constantly justifying and and rationalizing the reasons that you have it and um i don't know it's just it's a funny thing because it's just like there's no real like evidence that the rich and the powerful are doing anything good for us but that's what they tell themselves constantly and that's what like they build promises and businesses and artistic endeavors and all these things but like you know it's a it's a band-aid on a on a missing limb right right you know joy to the death of the rich no i'm kidding uh (laughs) one day we'll all be rich maybe we can dream yeah uh richness is like that carrot that you know you dangle in front of like a you know a dog or a dog treat that you put on a fucking stick and you just put it in front of it and have it just run right and, and, you know that's what fame is for a lot of people they're like oh i could just uh you know i could be an influencer on instagram or or i could do tiktoks and maybe i'll get maybe i'll go viral on tiktok or in the music scene you know maybe you know rich brian got famous you know off a viral video oh uh n- insert other famous viral rapper uh, six nine right. takashi here i mean there's millions of people doing the same thing and it's going to work out for like three percent of them you know what i mean or whatever and it's just like so those three percent are just the lucky ones their brains aren't any different than every i mean like not to say that like you some some people might be doing some people might stumble upon the like right strategies to get them where they want but it's just like the bottom line is there's <laughs> millions of people that are doing the same shit and like it's just not feasible 
with our economic system that it's going to work out for everybody. So to the victor goes the spoils, but then like that just warps everything in their, in their worldview because they think like, oh, well, I'm like, they overlook the luck perpetually. You know what I mean? Like that is the main theme of like success and in, in my opinion. So I, I think like, you know, it just kind of warps people's perspectives a lot. And so I imagine with like, artists like Eminem and Nas, you know what I mean? Like these are just artists that were doing their thing. They had raw, raw talent. They were incredibly gifted at what they were doing at the time. They made these albums that were moments. And then Mm -hmm. it's been a weird road going forward because they've been like, oh, you know, people aren't holding me in that same regard or like, it's got to feel good for like the critical darling person that like, uh, puts out an album and maybe it doesn't sell incredibly, but like fucking every time they drop, like Pitchfork fucking gives them a, uh, this probably doesn't happen for any rap album. Cause I don't think Pitchfork gives anything like it more than a, well, I, I wanted to point or, or highlight what you said of just like artists forgetting about the luck that it takes in gaining fame. And mm-hmm. there's this, there's like this mentality that it's like, yeah, it is lucky, but a lot of people think that's like, oh, well, I was chosen by God or I was anointed uh, to do this or, you know, like this is my fate or things like that. And it's totally okay to believe in, you know, destined path or whatever like that, you know what I mean? But at the same time, I feel like there's a lot of danger in believing that you were chosen for something like that by like a higher power. Oh, yeah. Because that ultimately like puts you in this place to where you expect a certain type of treatment. You expect to put out a certain type of product. And then if you don't, the accountability is like, it's like difficult to be accountable for yourself because if you were chosen by God, then this is God's path for you. You know what I mean? And so you don't really have to, I don't know. Work ethic is always the thing that, you know, keeps the, the people that are successful, successful. But art is one of those things that's really interesting, so it's tough. Yeah. Uh, and and the human self-rationalizing brain coupled with the, like, yeah, that belief and in, in, um, spirituality, which, like, I'm not an atheist. I don't consider myself an atheist, but I'm probably closer to that way than I ever was when I was younger. But, like, like with religion and God and all this stuff, it's such a weird concept because, like, the thing that I always believed, like, from the time when I started, like, thinking about that stuff in a little bit more, I don't know, give weight to it a little bit more. I mean, I was, I was raised Catholic. I went to church every Sunday with my dad, and, like, I went to Sunday school, all this shit. Like, I didn't think about it. It was just a thing I did. I, it was just a boring place I didn't want to be. And then, you know, around the time when I was a teenager and starting to think about life a little bit more and shit like that, and then it started to be something that I gave a little bit more weight to. And then when I got out of high school and started living on my own and stopped going to church and all that stuff, then I was like kind of thinking about it even more. And, and like as an artist and like linked up with like the old dominion dudes, some of them were like pretty hardcore Christian. There was a lot of like just drunken conversations about like religion and and spirituality and all that stuff. But, um, you know, I think like one thing I always thought was like just this arrogance of like, the human mind to like think that God is something that they could like try to understand in the first place. You know what I mean? Like, because if there is a God, like that's, it's incomprehensible. It's like, right. It, it, to put it in, you know, I mean, it's kind of weird to take religion into a scientific metaphor, but it's like, we can't experience things on a five dimensional plane. We just can't comprehend it. Can't right. comprehend things in a four dimensional plane because we exist in a three dimensional plane. And right. so, like, these, these concepts are, like, we, we just can't comprehend it. So if if God was like that, yeah, right. then go ahead. Yeah. yeah, and, I mean, it's like, you know, knowing what we know in the, you know, 20th, 21st century is, like, about space and all that. It's just like, okay, so God has to be bigger than all of this if there's a God. Like, and it's just, like, everything to me, it's always, like, well, I can kind of, there's everything I don't know about the universe that, to me, is is suitable for like a stand in for God as, as there could be. Right. Like I've always said that I've talked about that in my music. You know what I mean? Like I consider my belief in, in the universe to be relatively on par with my belief in God, because I can barely comprehend what either of them are. You know what I mean? And so this idea that like 
humans can use it for, for their own purposes, harness it for their own rationalizations, for their own, like, ego. You know what I mean? For their own ego at the end of the day. Like, that clearly has historical precedence because religion has been used as, like, a political and authoritarian, like, giving society a structure for as long as it's been around. And that's kind of like when you, you know, I mean, now that I'm a little bit older and I've got to sit with those kind of thoughts and then also learned a little bit more about history and filled in some of the blanks and stuff like it even connects it more where it's like, you know, I mean, in the within the past few hundred years, I mean, since like, you know, the scientific revolution, since capitalism, industrial revolution, all this stuff like, you know, now we have like the kind of quote unquote modern human like the liberal viewpoint what i'm not talking liberal in in terms of like conservative versus liberal but like the liberal just sort of like humanist like i'm a human i should have the right to think how i want and you know we're all these little and it's only been compounded by the internet and stuff we're all walking around thinking about like who we are what our purpose is what our brand is and like if we were alive 500 years ago we would probably just be like fuck i don't want to die from starvation (laughs) and like i gotta fucking pay my feudal lords or whatever the fuck like you know, shit was a lot. It, we probably didn't have as much. The average person didn't have probably as much luxury to sit around and think about what they were and what their purpose was and all this shit. This is like a, a luxury of the oh yeah of the modern um, landscape. And so, like, you know, it, it's just so funny that we're like we've all kind of like inverted that whatever role religion was playing in the power structures of like early days early society we've like inverted that to like a individualist level and now it's just like oh god is what makes it okay for me to fly on my private jet because that's god wants this this is god god's plan you know what i mean like <laughs> and it's just like okay no like that that was what the king was telling himself 500 years ago and beheading everybody and you know i mean that's what every crazy person i feel like throughout time committing any atrocity has ever said is you know they have this justification in their brain and i'm not saying that like any person who believes in religion is able oh, yeah. to commit atrocities but right, i'm just no. saying that it is a dangerous like i understand how someone believing that they are chosen could spiral could snowball you know mm-hmm. what i mean once you see the real power of what feeling empowered and like feeling like you're the chosen one and stuff looks like you can kind of see the path that people could go down and it's like oh this has been happening throughout history like people keep doing this and so you just yeah it's got a lot of danger to it that being said yes it is rooted in a lot of positivity but it's just it's very interesting like one of the earlier episodes of uh, of the podcast or maybe it actually it hasn't come out yet maybe this is a future callback but uh, we were talking <laughs> about uh, we were talking about a bible quote and it was about in marriage you know like the man or the woman must respect the man and like you know all that stuff but it's like the second part of that quote is the man also must respect the woman his body is not his own it is also part of his, his wife's it's like the full <laughs> quote is like rounded, right? Right. And it's saying like each partner needs to, you know, be dedicated and willing to, or to just like give themselves to their partner essentially, right? Um, mm. I'm paraphrasing. But the point is that it's always quoted and the first half of it is quoted. And it's right. like, right? Because, you know, like the woman's supposed to please the man, so I don't know what you're talking about. And oh, it's yeah. like, And it's like, wait, well, wait, well, let's, let's, let's look at the actual like quote. You look at the full quote and you're like, whoa. And it's interesting because it made me think that it's like religion is just a form of like the aggregation of news clips, right? It's mm-hmm. like, you know how like yeah. someone gets, you know, quoted. It's one of the earliest medias. Exactly. So you get quoted, you get taken out of context, you get thrown into the mix. And then all of a sudden people are believing something that like it didn't, that wasn't the message at the, at the start. And it's just like, there's so much of that in the Bible when you actually listen to it or like look at it. I'm sure you, I don't know if you've experienced the same criticism, but I've been told by a couple different people throughout my life that I am hard to pay attention to because I'm long winded, right? Because I can have a long diatribe of information that is all tied together because it is one thought that is kind of hard to just smash together. Also, I'm probably a little stoned and rambling a little bit. You know what I mean? 
But point is, the Bible is kind of like that in the sense that the Bible is long-winded and people just lose their fucking, you know, they're just like, ah, you're, you're rambling too much. I, right. I'm going to take, I, I, I caught that first little bit and, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, I hate women. Okay. You know, like, <laughs> just. Right. And, I mean, I uh, think ultimately, you know, anything that is supposed to give like some sort of structure to society is going to be attacked and going to be spliced up, edited, you know, reinterpreted all of this because, you know, society is just a mass cooperation of humans that probably on a like biological level aren't really designed to cooperate so intensely um, or in yeah. such large numbers or whatever. But like, yeah. you know, so so society is sort of this unnatural thing in that sense. But like it works as well as it does, <laughs> which isn't amazing, but it, you know, it's all we have. And like. You know, anything, whether it's a constitution, whether it's laws, whether, you know, like whatever it is, it's just like it's always going to be malleable because it's all open to like individuals wants and desires and 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 things like that and so things become outdated and, and and shifted over time and all that stuff. But um, but yeah, totally. I mean, the Bible is just an early blueprint, you know, and different Bibles or whatever were just early blueprints for early civilizations that some have had pretty incredible staying power, but you know, that's just because humans are sticklers for tradition and all sorts of things, you know, tradition is dangerous, man. Tradition just justifies so much fucking shitty behavior throughout time. It's like, Oh, well, you know, my grandparents hated black people, so I should hate black people too. Even though I grew up with, you know, black people in my, in my school and I didn't hate them. But, you know, my family says that, you know, I should hate black people. So tradition, you know, I mean, that's an extremely ridiculous uh, uh, an example. But like, I think one thing that me and Rob talked about uh, on the show, it was like, is nostalgia just like, are, are, are racists just nostalgic for the past? You know what I mean? Like this, tr- right. this idea of tradition and nostalgia, they can be really dangerous when put into certain areas and the people that talk about the good old days and shit like that, you know, but tradition, obviously, you know, you don't want to expunge all of tradition, but at the same time, you know, it's like, you need to be able to look at tradition from outside of the perspective and be willing to address it. Yeah. I think that it becomes just a stand in for critical thinking. You know what I mean? Like it, it, Mm -hmm. Well, and and then in that, in those like senses where people are kind of warping things or whatever, or I mean, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like if you miss the fucking traditions of like the antebellum fucking South, then like you're clearly just a racist piece of shit or whatever. But like, it's like for the average person, I think it's just like, oh, well, if we can just keep doing things the way they are or whatever, you know, then I don't have to fucking critically think about too much shit. Um, And then that plus the fact that like, you know, history kind of gets revised constantly. So like your ideas of what the past were aren't fully accurate to begin with, you know, but yeah, no, I agree for sure. Tradition and nostalgia and all that shit can be definitely dangerous. You know, if you look into the actual science behind memory and it's like they've hooked up, you know, they've looked at people's brains when they're like going back and looking at memories. And every time you go back and look at a memory, a certain point in time in your life, you know, the point of view that you have in the current time and like the the emotional state and everything affects the memory and rewires it and puts it back slightly different. Right. So it's, it's kind of why, you know, eyewitness uh, accounts aren't really um, reliable in court anymore um, for the, for the most part, or there's being a lot of science that is poking, uh, poking holes at the whole eyewitness uh, account thing. But uh, just because your your memory can be manipulated and actually police, you know, that's one of the things that they do in interrogation rooms when they get the person to revisit it constantly and they try and like manipulate their state of mind and rewire that memory, you know, okay, for sure. there's a lot of really that's one of the things that's, you know, it's like you learn a lot of these things in psychology and you're like, oh, this is really cool. And then you're like, wait, a lot of this is used for really nefarious purposes, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, like marketing, police, uh, 
you know, just a bunch of different things. It's just like, yeah, yeah like we're, we're 5% of policing is like actively trying to solve or prevent crimes and 95% is manipulating public opinion or, or, and, you know, individual opinions for those type of purposes. And the police are mostly manipulating. Yeah. Build it is the future, 21st century Old problems growing more problematic exponentially Grew up buying plastic toys, now plastic fills the ocean They trying to sell us on Bitcoin Digital mining that still needs physical mining uh, Traditional tyrants rigging the game New money, yo, this a crypt all the same You trip the fans sleeping, opiates in the vein They'll build a million cages but won't rehabilitate one But not fast enough Oh, I've been running Not fast enough mm. They build it as the future <laughs> 21st century, old problems growing more problematic exponentially Stress the fuck out from subscriptions I pretend to need On a social feed resembling end of human centipede Entropy, but the express lane, 15 items or less Yeah, but they all express pain, collecting the best strains and variants It's quite an experience, live streaming from inside a burning cherry Get experience. But not fast enough So sit tight for a minute And maybe catch your breath So light on my feet I'm gonna float away to heaven on safety nets Is a real good thing, baby Cause you can't pause time And there's a million Why even identify our Boston dynamics? I can't but analytics. I scroll, I slow, I fixed on an image. Beauty in the eye, get a beholder, behold a behemoth, they the holder. They know if you're in the NFTs and Nikes, a thicker skinny excites me. If my own sexuality's more on a spectrum, then I'd admit or realize even hype beast and celebrity gossip more than politics. In this culture world, we all exist. Hollowness, wait, how the fuck do I know who Tom Holland kissed? Yeah, Wanda shit, we all the stars of our own West View with the successful on a pedestal who impose they vision. On the community, it starts to glitch under individual scrutiny. Truthfully, these creed thoughts should never be released like detox. Eavesdrop and let me blow your mind down. I go for mine. Always have and always will too. New money old, it's all the same. Have none that's gonna kill you. Have some, you can get more. Stakes high when it's just a little food between surviving and perishing. I'm past my best by date. How embarrassing. Don't be in the 